following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL is Willie Moore. That's forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Plus. Oh, you got skills, son! Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for that! Welcome to episode number eight of The Take with Willie Mason. We have had some excellent news this week, William. Yeah, what is it? We are now number 34 on Spotify in Ecuador. <laughs> Did you know you were big in Ecuador? What have, you been, what have you been doing in South America, mate? Nothing that would require us to be number 34 on the charts, <laughs> William. <laughs> Good but, say. But uh, I don't know why, but obviously you're a popular man yeah. in South America. Hey, mate, I reach, I, don't know. I reach different people, mate, you know? <laughs> maybe Greg Ingl- maybe Greg Inglis is massive there. Gregos Greg Inglacius. Inglacius. <laughs> Gregorius Gregorius Inglacius. Enrique. Yeah. Now this week uh we've just had announced that the rugby league is back mm. and it is officially back on May the twenty eighth, which is what yeah. uh I guess Peter Volandis has, has stuck to from the start. Peter Volandis has also managed what looks like a fairly impressive assassination of Todd Greenberg, yeah, who is he now, ain't dumb. Volandis ain't dumb. Now he is no longer employed by the NRL. He resigned. Yeah. William, oh mate, um, we we all seen this. It was about three weeks ago. I said, uh, I think you said, we said, or we, we said, we said, that, eight weeks. You know, First the, the, the writing was going to be on the wall for him. Like, is we're very I said, smart. I said, if. And when they get through all this sort of shit, which they have, they would have got the inside word that they're going to be back on the 4th and they'll be playing on the 28th, he'll be done and have a look what's happened. I mean, you don't have to be Einstein to figure that shit out. Uh, Volandis has done a phenomenal job. Um, Todd Greenberg's been great in some sort of, in some little bits here and there, but he's let himself down in the last sort of six months, and we all sort of knew this shit was going to come. So It's just funny to watch because you could just see this happening in slow motion. Like Greenberg – look, I honestly think Greenberg's done a reasonable job, but all of a sudden he's lost the support of the clubs. Now, that Mm. came out of nowhere. You know, all the clubs are suddenly turning on him. Well, but but I mean, like what he's done in New Zealand. I mean, like the New Zealand Warriors have gone, oh, they've heard nothing from him for weeks. They're a club that means so much to the NRL. They are the NRL. They need some sort of clarification. What's going on? When can you come over? Are we going to do this island sort of shit, self-isolation? They need to know so they can prep their players. The players are sitting there going, oh, okay, we're going to stay at home because New Zealand, their rules are a lot more strict than our, stricter than ours. They're in full lockdown. You know, so like they need to know what's going on. Can they leave the country? Like what's, you know, like there's some really big questions that he need to answer and obviously he didn't. So... There's a couple of things. I mean, like I, I, I was just reading today, I was sort of paraphrasing. I mean, he got left behind in some some meetings where uh, Andrew Abdo were over in meetings with, with you know with the big dogs like Lockdown Murdoch with Google and Facebook in the US, and they leave Greenberg here because yeah, he's fucking it's... up deals. I'm not sure. I mean, like they're not they weren't putting him in deals. Like, do you know what I mean? Like when they were talking to the broadcasters, like. With Fox, with Fox Sports and News Corp, you're not being involved in these meetings. So I'm not sure if this happened six months ago, three months ago, a month ago. But the writing was on the wall for a while. And, you know, it was always going to happen. I probably And if he got pushed or if he was going to walk, obviously. Regardless of that, I mean, it, you know, it, they cut his legs off a while ago. You could tell they that. Did, that's what I'm saying. By not, no- by not inviting him to all these important meetings, mate, if I was a CEO, 
of the NRL and you're doing that to me, I'll be like, what the, what the fuck's going on here? I wish you were the CEO of the NRL. I would run it better than him. You would. He, well, I mean, looking at, I guess, where that, what that means now is they're talking about people to, to fill the job and mm. they've chucked up a couple of names. Shane Richardson got chucked up. I mean, to be fair, Shane Richardson's name got chucked up by Russell Crowe. The gladiators come in and he's saying, yeah, gladiator Shane voice. Richardson should be the. But I think personally that what will happen is that Volandis will decide who comes in and it will have to be someone that can work with Volandis. And Peter Volandis will completely run the rugby league for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I know. I mean, as a, as a former player watching um, David Gallup, Dave Smith, Todd Greenberg, like they're just all puppets in this whole system. I know what's going on behind the scenes. There's people pulling their strings and all this kind of stuff. And they just, they're just yes men. David Gallup was probably one of our best guys. Dave Smith was some Welsh dude who just come over, didn't know fuck all about rugby league, didn't know Cameron Smith's name. And they go, oh, let's just make him CEO so we can just pull these strings. Todd Greenberg comes in, ex CEO, the Bulldogs. Um, we can pull his strings. I mean, like, I feel sorry for these CEOs. And I'm not even I'm not even going to go, okay, let's just get the best CEO in. He's a really smart businessman because they're not going to put that smart dude in. Greenberg wasn't right. at the Bulldogs when you were there, was no, he? No. Who, like, was, who was in charge of the Bulldogs when you were there? Fucking, I think a pet. Malcolm fucking, Nudd? Uh, was it? <laughs> Did you? Because I, I mean, it was a pet fucking giraffe. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm not sure who it was, but it was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't normal. But I'm just saying, like they they will never put a person in that has a has a half a brain. Like they need to control these people because look what's been happening since fucking Ken Arthurson and John Quayle and all these sort of people. They've been man. The game earns so much money, and it just look look what's happened now. Look, it's just 40 years ago, John, they were running the game. Yeah, someone's skimming off the top. Someone's skimming off the top. There's always someone skimming off the top because our books never, ever get showed to anyone. Now the books are fucking showed your sack. They, now they know what's going on. It's, like, it's financial mismanagement is, is what it comes down to. And I guess, you know, when – we've talked about this before. When the gravy train is there and there's all this money coming in – It is the biggest well, gravy sudden, train in the world, rugby league. They, they can distribute money to, to areas that probably don't need to. And – We've talked about this before that, you know, when, when Des Hasler came to the Bulldogs, he was the first million-dollar coach. Mm. And not only that, he brought 550 blokes with him, you know, dietitians mm. and sports scientists, and it just blew these budgets out. So essentially then what they're doing is they're creating these deals to pay for an overinflated spend already. So rather than thinking about what the best thing for the for – the, I guess the the financial future of the game is they're just trying to pay the bills that they're creating themselves, mm. and that's the issue. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I know for an example, I know exactly what they've been paying. Just say for for player welfare, mental welfare, all that sort of stuff. I think it's like five five million dollars they spent. It's not you know, working. It's f- exactly my point. It's not working. These kids aren't learning shit. The curriculum's wrong. Whatever you're teaching these kids, or whatever this bullshit that you're showing these NRL kids, and I was even part of it. I was, I was part, I was, I was in clubs in like from 2000. When I come back, my second scene from 12 to 15, I'm like, what are you, what are you guys showing? It was so out of the box. It was so stupid. Kids weren't listening, and these are the kids that are fucking up now. And so who? And it was terrible. Like, like, if you look at that, yeah, I agree with you, mate. So what? What? what who? 
then if you're if you're saying as a player you're sitting there and you're going through these programs, well, who's accountable then? Like, the do you NRL go is accountable? But do you go to a club and oh, you go no, to the club I mean, on a like, waste for of your time? actions? No, but who's like who says well this was a waste of time? Like, why well, isn't that feedback? Well, getting I remember, back I remember to the NRL? sitting there. I remember sitting there with Wayne Bennett, and they have these fucking actors come in and and put try and put you in a position where you might be in a nightclub and all this sort of shit, and it'd be like oh okay, and I went okay, well I'll, I'll be the example. I come out and then you've been be in like, a few nightclubs, wouldn't you? Oh, fuck! I mean, every nightclub, and no one can fuck me up. But I'd be, they'd be like, "I'll oh, sit down here," and then someone would go, "Oh, the, the, a woman would come up and like they tip a drink on you, uh, and then you, they'd try and look for your reaction, and then they'd be really over the top, over the top bullshit, which you'd never ever seen in a nightclub. And they tried to do that to me. I went, security, kick these fuckwits out, pretty much. Because that's yeah. how I would roll with that. Yeah. They expected me to go, oh, my God, why'd you tip a drink on me? Oh, this guy wants to fight me. All this sort of stuff. I mean, like a young young kid, usually young kids with a senior player like me. Yeah, That yeah. shit ain't going to happen. Ain't going to go down while I was there. I'm like, you know, like, and this and this is what happens. Like, you're, you're talking unrealistic bullshit that you're talking about in clubs. You know, it doesn't happen. Like, what, what, why are we getting taught this shit? And I was thinking, why are we getting taught this sort of stuff? Like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever been. I've never, I've never been put in that position. I said, I've never been put in a position where someone would be like so abruptly rude to me, and they get away with it. I, I honestly, like, we've we've been going out for a long time, and I have never seen anyone come up to you and be anything other than a fan or or, yeah. or supportive or whatever. So, when you think about these these young kids that get themselves in trouble from my never been in a nightclub that well, do you know what i think they're finding it themselves i think mm. it's up to the individual like 100%. you can't train that out of people you it's can't- accountability it's always been accountability my biggest word is accountability whatever you whatever you do in life i don't give a shit if you're playing sport or anything like that if you're out in public if you're a public sort of figure whatever they call this shit now and you're a sports player and someone comes up to you and does this sort of stuff and acts like that you should be able to think a lot better than them. 100%. You know what I mean? Like put yourself in, put yourself, like just go, okay, well, I'm a rugby league player. I've got this to lose. I've got this to lose. I've got this to lose. This guy's got nothing to lose. Let's not, let's not do that. You know what I mean? Like just let's, let's figure out another option. Do you know you what? You should be smart enough to figure that shit out. So I'm saying this is the sort of education these kids should be getting. Not the bullshit that they've been getting the last 10 years because obviously it's not fucking working. No, it's And right. I said this to Wayne Bennett. Wayne's like, it's, it's a joke what's happening. And I know for a fact they're spending millions of dollars on this shit, getting ex-players that never fucking been through anything in their whole career. All of that is all the fucking, all these, this beautiful career. They've come up through schoolboys and then they played first grade and they played 200, 200 300 games and had never had anything wrong in their whole career, not one little blight. And you try and tell these fucking young kids how to act? Get some people that have been through some real life shit in their whole life, when they, when, even when they grew up and even when they were playing, you educate them. You know what I mean? Like you got some so many people through our era. I'm not saying it's me, but guys like Rennie Matua and all these kids that went through some shit, like as a young kid and as a player, you got a story to tell. You well, don't can't you reckon- have these fucking idiots that had no story to tell trying to tell these young Polynesian kids, Aboriginal kids, and all these, you know, Greeks, ethnics, whatever, even Australian kids, how to act. You can't do it. Do you reckon, I mean, honestly, for me, that I reckon the change in all of the attitude towards there was a certain high-profile footballer who 
had an incident in a toilet 10 or 12 years ago. And all you have to say is he was the biggest name in the game. And rather than help him, people chose to take photos of that bloke at a a terrible moment in his life, Mm. you know. Now, if that's not enough to say to people, behave yourself in public or else things will go horribly wrong for you, you don't need to spend just five act. million bucks. Just act. I mean, exactly. Just act like a decent human being. Yeah, you exactly. are no better than that next person standing next to you. And that should be your morals from a young kid. Your parents should be teaching you that shit. And these are the parents that are probably my age now. You got a 15, 16 year old. If your morals and your principles and ethics aren't fucking right, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, don't think you're going to come into an NRL club and just all of a sudden learn everything about life. Because you haven't figured shit out by the time you're 16, fucking good luck. Well, if they're spending five million bucks, here's the thing for the NRL. I can save you four million bucks. Give Willie a million bucks, mm. and he will talk to your kids for you. And you no problem. You just got to tell them some real shit. So this is what's going to happen. You want to do X, Y, and Z. You want to do drugs. You want to party. You want to do this. You don't want to train hard. You're going to end up there. Mm. You want to train hard. You want to be focused. You want to do this. You want to do that. That you'll end up there. You want to do this, this, this. You'll end up there. It's so easy. This game is the. Rugby league is like we're full of talent, so much talent, but mentally we're so fucking weak. We go out, everyone's like, "Oh my god, I just want to go drink with these other guys. They're real cool. They're not fucking cool, man. They don't got no. They don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you. They want to party with you because you play fucking hundred first grade games and play Origin. Yeah. Look, look, what happens when you stop playing Origin? What yeah. happens when you stop playing first grade? I see a lot of these people they're just going, oh. Oh, I remember you hanging out with these dudes. That dudes don't care about you. I've always had that. I've always known when I was younger and everything's just like these people don't give a fuck about me. They give the fuck about Willie Mason, who used to play for the Bulldogs and all, you know, all these other teams want to hang out and have, have a good time. I was super focused on whatever I had to do. Didn't give a fuck. Didn't care about you or whatever. I just I'd be like, yeah, he's a nice guy for that fucking that moment of time in my life. Yeah. Don't hang your hat on it, man. Like, just don't think, don't think that you're just going to go out and meet all these beautiful people and nice people that really care about you. It's a moment of your little, it's a microcosm of your night. It took you, it did take you a while to realise that, though. You've had a lot of hangers on. Yeah, but I'm out to, you know, it takes, and that's what I mean. You learn, you know what I mean? You learn and you grow and things become. Because I treat people how I want to be treated. So it took me a while because I'm like, I'll treat people how, I'll be like, I'll be real honest with them. I'll tell them, you know what I mean? I trust them because I want to, I treat them how I want to be treated. That's right. And then. I find out like you, you just, why would you why why would you lie why would you say this and you're not gonna do it like I'm like why are you just a piece of shit yeah. I figured that shit out when I was in my mid twenties I'm like all right fucking hell these guys most most people are fucking idiots yeah most people aren't that smart and most people you know, when you see them when they're on the piss they're always in their best sort of state and all that kind of stuff not best state but they talk a lot of shit you know it's just like you got to figure that shit out I'm definitely don't, in my best state you know on the don't piss. think when you go out with these when you're going out and all these guys want to surround yourselves all these young footballers take fucking note yeah what's going on man we love you man we love the way you play and all this kind of stuff fuck man they don't care about you as no. a person they honestly don't they're like fuck I just want to hang out with you I want to, I want to, I want to, I'll see if you can get some girls you know what I mean like just because you're hanging around you like it's 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 so fake stop Stop hanging around that shit because there's a lot of people out there. It's just, it's ridiculous. And going back to what people are getting taught, whatever's happened in the last 10 years, your curriculum, whatever you're doing in NRL, fucking change it. So what we've been developing are players like a Tyro May. 
you know, who goes out, has no respect for women, films women while they've been in, in the in the worst sort of worst sort of state. That's the piece of shit that we're that's the piece of shit that we're developing. And that's part of our game. And that's what people have been looking at for the last couple of years. It's like, well, the NRL's got they lost so many millions and millions and millions of dollars. And we still let that piece of shit play. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you look at you said it before, accountability is such a massive thing. And, uh, you know, I think the NRL is being held accountable now for the decisions that they've made over the last few years in a financial sense. And I think players need to be accountable for their behaviour. It's it, Always If you have got accountability across all facets of the game, then things will become a lot easier. It is, man. I mean, I'm always big about accountability. If I've ever made a mistake in my whole career, I'll be like, I own up to it. I've done this, I've done that. All you can do is like, oh, really? I, pi- I pissed in public twice. That's mm. the worst thing. You know what I mean? DUI on the next day. That was my problem. I mean, I thought I was fine. I had a drink the night before. I thought I was fine. People could have picked me up the next day to go to training. I said, no, nah, I'm good to drive. Bad mistake. Got done. Fuck. Take accountability. Face media straight away instead of hiding behind the NRL curtain thinking they're going to fucking protect you. No, I said to Wayne, I said, look, I'll face it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll end it right now. It's my fault. Yeah. You know, don't, hide, don't, don't sit there and hide behind everything like the whole NRL curtain that's going to protect you. They'll protect you for a little while. End of the day, face it, just face what you've done wrong. I just think I've always had a just a, like, a, it just pisses me off what's happening in the NRL in the last sort of 10 years because I know that I was, I just, I've only been recently retired like, you know, four years ago, but like that curriculum that we're being taught, getting these people that have never been through anything in life, telling these people, telling me what to do, how to act in, Different situations. I'm like, yeah, I've never been in fucking any situation like that. Mm. Forget about it. Do you reckon, I mean, we spoke about the Warriors before and the Warriors, I guess, if they're talking about starting training on May the 4th, the Warriors essentially have got a couple of days to come over and, and do the 14 days quarantine. Just say everyone moves to New South Wales and everyone's allowed to start training on that day and the Warriors can't get it till the 10th or whatever. Is it fair for the Warriors to have to have six days catch up, or should everyone just go? You know what? If the Warriors can't train, no, the Warriors should be training right anyone? now. Every single player is accountable. This is back to accountability. Every single player's player for the Warriors, you should be training your ass off because you know what sort. Well, you know what's coming up. You're going to be in quarantine. You're going to be like by yourself, isolated, all that kind of shit. So fucking don't lose your fitness. Yeah. You're a professional player. Like they're paying you like 500000 to or 100000 to a million dollars a year. Stay fit. You know what's going on. You're going to be here on the 4th. You're going to be playing on the 28th. Be fit. Yeah. Like it's, it's no, it's, I can't see any other way. Like I'm not, I don't feel sorry for New Zealand. I think they made a great sacrifice to be in the game and to come over here, but this is the fucking way it is. Unlucky. Like, you live in New Zealand, you're part of the NRL, this is what's going down, the whole world's going through this shit, fucking get over it. Get over it. This is why we're big in Ecuador, Will. They love the Warriors in Ecuador. Now, William, I give you a bit of a hard time about a number of things, and, and that's not because, obviously, we're very good friends and I love you and I respect you, but I'm going to say 
that you have really outdone yourself so far on the Tate with Willie Mason with the yeah. level of guest we have had. We have had Boyd Cordner, we have had future immortal Greg Inglis, and now we've gone into the Black Book again and we've dragged out another massive name. Yeah, uh, we've got big Sammy Burgess, which is a you know he's he's one of the legends of the game and one of the great people of the game, and you know I haven't really sort of searched into my Black Book that that often, and um, you know like obviously. With what's going on and how the show is, and you know, we we want to talk about what's going on at the moment, you know. But it's good to get some a different sort of point of view. Like Sam Burgess, I think is the perfect the perfect guy to get on the show. I think Greg Inglis is a perfect perfect guy. I think Boyd Cordner was the perfect per- person to get on. He's a current player. Greg Inglis is is a former player, just retired. Sam Burgess is the same. These guys are legends. You know what I mean? I'm I'm very particular who I do put on the show. And I just don't want to get anybody in here just to talk about shit and like have no substance to them. They just played the game. They just fucked off and, you know, like they're just boring. These people that I get on this show and who I actually reach out to, they know that I'm genuine. They know that if they do come on the show, there's no agenda. You know, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a talk. It's a yarn. And, we just, and whatever, whatever it is, you know, it is. I'm not, there's, I'm not trying to be a journalist to try and get, you know, some – some uh, some clickbait and all that sort of shit that other journos do, and I think all my you know fellow constituents and former players and friends and all that kind of stuff they know me, you know well, they, they know they know I'm not like that. So you know, guys, well, I do ask a favour. I never really ask favours, you know. And as soon as I do, they they say yes. So I'm glad to have Sam Burgess on because I think he's one of the greatest greatest. Not even doesn't matter. Everyone goes, everyone goes imports imports. I said fuck that. No, he's one of the greatest forwards to ever play rugby league. So yeah, agreed. And on and off the field, he's been a, he's been a champion, and he's just recently retired. So I'll give him a call right now. And this is weird too, doing the phone calls. He said he was, and he he's such a legend. He's like, "Do you want me to come in?" I said, "Mate, this is only like three meters. You're too big." And also, it's the t- the two <laughs> of us in here. We barely fit ourselves. I said, "We can't do it." Big rig. Yes, big Sammy Burgess, mate. How are you, brother? I'm good, bro. How are you? Yeah, good lad. Good. Yeah. Good to hear you, boys. Doing? Are you? Uh, are you? Are you you're not live, are you? We no, are live. No, Sam. we're live. No, we we're, we're not live. Yeah, no, we. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are. So it's just. Um, no, it's not live. But I mean, like, um, it's, it's a proper phone call, mate. It's going to be. Yeah, re- yeah. It's proper, really, properly recorded. If that's a fucking yeah, word. So, sweet, um, sweet, mate, we're glad to have you on. And uh, I was just saying just before we, we called, you know, just to have you on, it's just it's an honour. And just to, to talk about your whole career, you as a person, you as a player, and just to sort of, um, you know, just to, just to talk in a positive yeah, light. Sweeper. I think, you know, guys like Greg Inglis and Boyd Cordner and these guys that I've had on lately, you know, we've really – well, all we want to do is celebrate you guys as, as people and, and in your career, you know. So – yeah, You've achieved so much. G'day, Sam. It's Ian Byrne speaking, mate. Will has got Hi, some buddy. very hard questions here. He's he's been researching. <laughs> he's got the paper out. He's got little bits of texture. It's all. It's creating a great level of anxiety oh, mate, for me looking hey, at you it. You know what? I cannot wait. <laughs> you're a, you're a media professional, and I can tell you this will the least professional interview you have ever done in your entire life. <laughs> but the best. Yeah, yeah, the best ones. Looking at obviously when you're growing up, you're looking at the NRL you know, on TV and things like that. Is that what drove you to come over, to compete against the Australian competition? Or was it was it a lifestyle decision? Or 
Well, a bit, a bit of both. It was, it was a bit of both because um, yeah, as a kid, we grew up watching Origin. Uh, I used to love Freddy. Freddy Fittler was a beast. Mm. And, um, you know, then obviously as a kid, I watched Great Britain and Australia test matches and uh, I used to go to as many as I could. And then in 2008, I got injured during for the World Cup. So I, I came and backpacked the East Coast with my brother and uh, three mates. We stayed in hostels. Wow, that was very good. Oh, man, it was awesome. <laughs> so much fun. So, Cheeky Monkeys in Byron Bay got a good workout. Oh, that's a good uh, joint. Man, we were for five and a half weeks. We um, we hired some cars and we just drove all the way up the East Coast, stopped off at lots of different places. So, I, I, can't, I fell in love with Australia then, really. Um, I, I went back to training for the 2009 season and I said to my manager, I said, listen, just get me to Australia as, mm. as quickly as you can because. Um, I want to give it a shot over there. It's, that's a big time. And um, I guess 12 months later, we, we did the deal with Russell. And, uh, big Rusty. I was, I, I, yeah, I moved here. So 12 months later, that's it. Did he do the gladiator voice? <laughs> what? Did he do? Because no, pretty no. much everyone who signed for South has copped the gladiator voice at some point on that phone conversation. <laughs> no, well, you know what? The first time you speak to him on the phone, like, you know, the, the voice is husky and, you know, it's especially oh, here. You know, so you, you, you know, you feel his presence a bit. But, uh, man, you know, I just... <laughs> I just it was was, was he filming, he was filming Robin? Him, I didn't believe him. He was filming Robin Hood, wasn't he, at the time? So instead of the gladiator, yeah. you got the bloke in the tights. You probably... <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. I went, I went down to the movie set uh, and I remember thinking, I was thinking, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> uh, it, man, it was just way out of the world that I grew up in. And uh, yeah, I took him, my first time I went to meet him, I uh, I took about four of my mates down. And I said, come on, boys, go down. And man, we went to this posh restaurant and they had all this food and drank some wine. We got pissed and my mates were like, trying to steal stuff out of the hotel. And, <laughs> I love uh, it. was like, oh, man, you know, we're just little scallywags just taking our opportunity here. And then uh, and next thing he had signed, had signed at the club, man, it was there. Uh, it was great. It was a good time of life. Coming back to South, and I mean, even yeah, before that, long. winning that grand final was fucking amazing. I mean, I'm a bull, I'm a bulldogs fucking player, but I was going, I was going for South because was. no, because I had more boys. I mean, I was good mates with Sammy, Tom, Gi, all the boys. I'm like, fuck, I'd rather South win because they're good. They're way better blokes. I'm not I joking. Everyone was going. I for didn't. South, I well. did not go for it. I didn't go for it. And and if you're a bulldog supporter, fucking unlucky. But um, it's um, <laughs> it was just one of those games where I'm just like, damn. And you got hit in that first fucking hit. And I know for a fact at that age, I was still, I was still playing. I was 34. But if that ref had seen you, you got rocked. By a fucking yeah, crazy brain, but yeah. but it was a head clash, and I fucking hate head clashes. Yeah, and a head clash awful. got you. But if you had stumbled just that one little inch, that ref would have. He had he had he had the he had the power to send you off for you to keep yeah. your fucking head straight and to keep normal. <laughs> I looked at that because because obviously your normal people would never ever pick that up. I'm like, if he sways one bit, the ref's going to go. You're off. And you yeah, kept your shit together. I'm like, oh my fucking god! I said his head's broken. And then like you played the ball and you kept going straight, like just walked. And the ref looked at you and went, yeah, he's all right. Like, yeah, and I'm just like, wow, that, that, that effort there. I've never seen a fucking effort. I mean, like they're going to go like John Sattler and all this other bullshit. I'm like, nah, man, dude's got his head fucking crushed in the first hit, and he plays 80 <laughs> minutes. Come on, man. Yeah, it was not. I mean, we think, you think about it now. You think about it now and you just go, fuck, that's not normal, man. You, and you'll probably think yeah. about it in five or six years or ten years. You'll be like, nah, that was not normal because nah, it was, it was a fucking phenomenal effort, man. And that'll etch you in history forever. 
And trust me. Jeez, <laughs> brother. It's, it's for honest, I do sometimes look at that game and go, oh, how did I do that? I don't, I, you know, I yeah, how, like, how do you, like, yeah. sorry, sorry, how did you do that? Like, you're, uh, you're, you're uh, obviously the, the adrenaline is pumping, but hey, it was the first kickoff. I mean, yeah, I know the I adrenaline's know. pumping, but it must have just been kicking through so much. Like, yeah. bro, it's, like. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Honestly, well, I don't know how I did I had a big responsibility. I was going because if you go off, they lose. Yeah, it just messes everything up. You had a big chance to lose, right? And uh, I just, I just couldn't get off. And I thought, I'll just try and do a tackle or one run and see how it goes, man. And I don't know. I just kept going, kept going. But my my pain threshold sometimes will, it's it's pretty high. Like uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It's during that season I'd, uh, I'd had a few injuries and I pushed myself through a couple of tough spots where I really shouldn't have played. Uh, but I pushed through them and it, it sort of built my resilience in that respect. So yeah. when I came to the grand final, I'd had so much experience at playing in pain. Um, there was mm. just another, it was just another challenge, right? And um, I'd already built up a bit of sort of resilience with that stuff. And you know, I, I can handle pain. My brothers, my mum always says, "Geez, how, how do you manage that?" You know, and I, I don't know how to do it. You don't. You probably don't know brain. how you do it now, but no, no. But I can, trick, think... I can trick myself a bit. I almost trick myself. I can trick my brain. I can sort of convince myself I'm all right. And, and uh, you know, before I know it's half time, will and half time. I thought it's going to be a challenge, sort of getting back out after half time, and it was. But um, you I know, reckon. I don't know. I just there's a bigger power. There's something. It is. Just, yeah. So I just cracked on and uh, and 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 we did it. You know? My favourite part of that yeah. whole game, and other than you know when you won and Greg did the Goanna and all that, was when you were at yeah. half time and they interviewed. You. I can't remember who it was, and they said, "How is it?" And you went, oh, "I'm fucked." And I thought, and then the interview was over, and I thought that is probably my favourite. Other than when Billy Idol was on the, that's my favourite grand final moment. Yeah, no, I remember that. It was Freddie because uh, I'm good mates with Freddie. And, like, I, I was so in the zone in that game. I, was, I had so many things to think about and concentrate on. As I'm walking off, I'm thinking about, I know the doctor's going to try and pull me. I know mm. the head coach is going to want me to play. I was worried, man. And, and I didn't want my teammates to see all the commotion. So I thought, I was planning in my head, I said, like, suddenly get in the change rooms and not make, a, not make like, a, a fuss, right? Anyway, Freddie comes and sticks a camera in my face. He goes, how's your, how's your face, Sammy? And because I know him personally or whatever, I just said, oh, it's, it's fact. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not realise it was live on TV. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> oh, it was funny, man. Just, uh, it's just a good time. Mate, yeah, Sammy. I saw, I saw some clips of the grand final. Mate, I've watched, I've watched it about three times. Time. I usually watch my yeah. grand final about fucking 20 times, but like your one's yeah, up there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's cracking. But mate, mate. you've played like you've played you played for Great Britain, twenty four games for England, all stars. I mean, like it's like you've you've done everything. You've done Clive Churchill, everything. Like, what's what is the biggest standout in Sam Burgess' career? When you look back on it now, and you just go, all right, I played over pretty much 300, 300 games. You've switched to Union. You've done everything like that. You played in the World Cup. You won games there. What is a standout? I mean, I mean, I'm thinking it's the, it's the Clive Churchill in the Premiership, but there's obviously yeah. some games in between in, with playing for England and yeah. You know. Well, I mean, look, the, the Premiership's like hard to beat. Uh, yeah, but but uh, outside of that, there's uh, as a kid, I always wanted to play at Wembley, um, and I played against uh, I played against the Kiwis there in the 2013 World Cup semi, and it was against I played against Sonny Bale and yeah. 
Jared, and mate, it was the most epic test match. Uh, one of the most epic test matches I've ever played in. Me and Sonny just went mad for yeah. 80 minutes at each other. You guys were animals, And we got man. beat on the bell. Yeah, we were beast. And uh, we got beat on the bell. Sean Johnson beat us. Yeah, uh, I remember that, it. That was, yeah, that was a pretty special yeah. game. But another one was uh, captain in, a captain in England in the, in the final, World Cup final in 2017. Mm. And yeah. It was a pretty big sort of big achievement. Um, I was pretty happy to, to lead the team out. It's, a, it's the first World Cup we've been to in yeah. final in about, I think about 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And, uh, to captain them as a, you know, as a Northern English boy, I was, it was a pretty proud moment. I know we lost the game 6-0. It's, it's a really great test match as well. But, you know, there's some great moments as, a, as an English player. Um, the the, the f- final in 14 and then obviously me and my brothers playing together. It's probably those are the four moments in my career that I yeah. get uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty special. Um, they're, they're really special moments and times for me. This is probably now a highlight also, though, being on the tape with Willie Mason. This is probably – you've got four yeah, highlights this and this, this is there, fifth. This is five. This is no. This yeah. is actually better than the World Cup, Sammy. So I can really, I really appreciate your time, mate. You've um, nah, you're a legend, nah, dude, on and off the field, mate. I really appreciate your time, mate. So thank you very nah, much, yeah. mate. And we'll catch up for a nah, beer or two right. soon. I'm yeah, just I look upset. To that. Anytime, boys. Anytime, man. I'm just upset we can't have you here for a beer, mate. Because yeah, yeah. yeah well, when, all this, when all this Corona social distance yeah. stuff goes, I'll come out. We'll come a few beers. We'll have a good. We'll have a good yarn, eh? All right, Thanks mate. very much, Thanks, Sammy. All right, boys. See you later. Cheers, mate. See you. Mate, what a terrific bloke Sam Burgess is. Yeah, he's um he's a genuine like superstar of the game. It sucks that he got uh, medically retired, but just it, for him to open up like that and just just to just talk about everything, you know, it's great. So um um you know it's it's been good having him on. He's uh he, he's such a legend. So uh I don't think he realizes that's probably like Greg Inglis last week. You know these these um. You know, phenomenal players don't really realise how great they are until, you know, they're probably getting interview, interviews like this and people sort of, you know, telling them how great they are because a lot of interviews, they've always got an agenda where they want to talk about some negative shit in their careers. We're not about that. So, you know, we want to build these players up. Well, I think, you know, we started off again. The The plan was 15 minutes and, and, and we move on. But again, with that, with Sammy, I think it's gone for, for a lot longer. So I'd say what will happen, yeah. much like the Greggy interview from last week, we'll put that. I mean, Sam Burgess deserves to have yeah. that whole thing heard. So we'll probably, you know, we'll release that whole thing as, a, as an interview, I think, because yeah. it deserves it. Well, do I look different to you this week, William? You do always I, look amazing, mate. Well, thank you, but I, I, I look like a winner this week. Do you know why really? I look like a really? winner? Really? Are you going to take that win on the I'm weekend? I'm claiming it. Do you know what? Don't you start. The producer's always ripped into me and says that it's not a win, but is it's each, a win. Is each way a win? Each way's a win. It got us money for our cause, William, so it is a win. All right, I'll take it. I'll take All right. It. I'll take it. You have we'll, take it. we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. It was a long shot too. What we are going to do now- I got third. If I, so if I went for a place, would I want? Yeah, but it was like $3, so <laughs> not the point. We are going to ring Jared now. All right. Uh, I probably should have set this up earlier, but there he is. We are going to we ring Jared. We are geniuses. It's two people in I'm, a shed. I'm going <laughs> to- There's two people in a shed, so- Just put your headphones yeah. on. Jared, welcome. How are you, mate? G'day, guys. How are you? Very well. How are you? Well, I'm a winner, Jared. That's how I am. <laughs> you are, finally. We are. What, what is happening currently is that Will and the producers have decided that I'm not a winner because I've backed it each way. But what I would like you to do is explain that on taunt, 
was a roughie. Yeah. Therefore, a yeah. place win is actually going to pay more than what Williams' win would have paid. Absolutely would have. And what uh, what are we what are we betting? We're betting fifty dollars a week at the moment, aren't we? So it was a twenty five dollar each way bet. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Well. Well, and he's got around at three dollars for the place there. So at a fifty dollar outlay, we've won seventy five dollars. So no, that's I get still it, a profit I get regardless. It, I get it. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah. the I'll main pay, thing, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. All right, I get it. Yeah. The main thing is that I won, and that we've started. No, the we, bank. Won, we, we won. won. We team. won. Yeah. One dream. Yeah. yeah. How have you been, Jared? I've been very well, thanks, Ian. Uh, look, just uh, surviving, uh, living at home, working at home, spending all of my time at home, just uh, as is the case with everyone, I suppose. So going very well. Mate, I believe that the profit profit, is what, that's what I'm calling <laughs> yeah. you from now on, had a fill-up on Tuesday. On Yes. Three tips, three wins. Jared, you're a what? genius. Yep. Yeah, thank you. You're yeah, welcome, look, Jared. I, I've actually been... Unfortunately, I've been going far better during the week recently than what we've been going on the weekend. So maybe we should start looking at these weekday tips. So that's what's killing me, I think. All my tips, they're, they're made, if I ask them today, because usually I ask them like either yesterday or today, and they think they're for the midweek, they obviously haven't done all their you know due diligence for the weekend. So that's why I think I'm behind. So I've got to tell all my, um, all my uh, people who give me some mail to um, – to start looking about a week before because that's what's killing me, I think. Do you know what's killing yeah. you, Will? What? You don't know anything about horses. Yeah, but other people do. I'm <laughs> relying on them and I'm learning I'm learning every week. Hey, I got third last week. It's all right. Yeah, you are learning. Now, Jared, you'll be glad to know that uh, my tip this week is actually a midweek tip. It's on yep. this Friday. Yeah. It's a horse that I wanted to back last time at one, but it wouldn't have been on by the time we went to air. But mm. – Mawani Machine on the Gold Coast, race four. Yeah, look, only – I don't hate this at all. Look, there's only six horses confirmed for a start in this race, but it is really one of the better – maybe even the best race at the Gold Coast on Friday. Um, Look, Ian, you'd probably be able to give us a little bit better insight into this horse, but uh, just on the facts and figures alone, very, very competitive this time. He's found some form around some legitimately good horses – He's finished within a length of Eric Beal at Doom and Two Back, and of course that Eric horse went Beale. on to finish Muslim third Barbie. in the Australian. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in the Australian Derby, that really does look like being the superior form line here. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening, as is typically the case with these Friday races. We haven't actually framed prices for any of these horses yet, but given the depth of talent in this race, I'm expecting something pretty good here. Are we going each way? Or are we going on the nose? Uh well, I I would like to think that it'll win, Jared. But and yep. I'm also wearing a fair bit of shit from everyone else about backing each way shot. So I'm going to take it for the win. I, I heard think, yeah. when yeah. you're framing the market, it's going to be about thirty bucks the win. Is that about? <laughs> is that yeah. where we're looking? I don't know if it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be quite that long. And given that there's only six horses confirmed for a start as well, you're only going to get paid on two uh, on the on first or second for the place dividend as well. So I think uh, I think that's the way to go. Well. And I really do hope that wins because I will be on it myself mm. as well as for, obviously, our charity Yeah, I'll be on it as well. Of course. William has got another tip from another bloke that probably – Yeah, uh, anyway, just uh, just hear me out here. Uh, it's yep. race seven, number five, Mask in Time. So yep. this, is, this, is, this is the message that I'm getting. I've gone for some value for you this time in a huge run last start. Think it should be able to sit outside the leader of just behind – Turn it into a real chase. 
Let's hope it holds on and hits the lead at the 200-metre mark. Very specific. <laughs> it's very specific. Yeah. I laugh. And, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Honestly, you're, you're, you bus. are a bit, yeah. I mean, he, he's talked it all up. And I think he just wants, <laughs> to, I think he just wants to get me a read. Shout out to Hassan yeah. Saleh. He's a legend. Um, These are write-ups of the fast becoming my favourite part yeah, of the week. Mate, they, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, mask of time. I actually tipped this horse to win the Doncaster Prelude a few uh, a few weeks ago at around the fifteen dollar mark, and it's run second by a bee's dick in that race. So, look, I think that uh, fitter third up. Timmy Clark is jumping into the saddle here. Oh, I think boy. this is actually probably. I think this is probably the most open race on the uh, Rose Hill card on Saturday. So I think there's certainly worse each way bets to be have. I think he's just going to need appropriate luck in running from Barrier 12. Why are they running it? I mean, is Hawkesbury COVID capital of the world? Why are they putting it at Rose Hill considering it's the Hawkesbury Guineas and the Hawkesbury Gold Cup and yeah. all that? A lot of the different uh, sort of gross. racing – yeah, look, a lot of the different racing bodies are just sort of choosing to run most of their races in specific spots at the moment. So I think Hawkesbury's out while the uh, the city tracks are still running. It's close enough to uh, to Sydney to uh, have all of these sort of races running in those uh, on the better tracks. So I think that's pretty much what it is. Mate, can I just bring up one more thing with you? Uh, my my little boy, well, he's not little anymore. He's ten, but he's obsessed with Lego Masters. Now you yeah. framed a market on Lego Masters. My question to you, I've been watching it obsessively for the last three nights. Why okay. are Jay and Stani at $8? I mean, that's massive well, overs from the builds that they've had it? so yeah. far. Massive overs, Jared. Uh, just to all the people that are listening, this is uh, Lego building. People are betting on people Lego. building Lego. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. want to explain that to people. Yeah. I bet when the idea of this podcast came up, the take with Willie Mason, you thought you'd be talking about Lego Masters in week seven or eight. Oh, this has definitely <laughs> taken a turn for the worst. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, look, I, I, to be honest, you're going to be, and your son is going to be much more of a form expert on this than me. I have literally never seen an episode of oh, this Oh, do show. yourself a favour, Jared. It's a terrific is show. It? Yeah, it's pretty it's good, magnificent. Is it? Yeah, it really is. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll tune in next time. But look, betting suggests that we've some one team has been absolutely tearing up here. A dollar fifteen for Jackson and Alex. We're looking at Winks odds for this pairing. Are they uh, are they that good? I don't They're see not it. That good. I don't see no, it. Right, okay. yeah, I'm happy to well, lay them, Jared. Okay. Well, if if that's the case, there is absolute value to be have here because did you say Jay and Stanny is the one that you're looking at? I like them. They make good stuff. Eight dollars. Yeah. Well, who eight does, who does Huckleberry think? He he actually likes Damien and Andrew. Uh, Damien has actually got. I think it's Damien. He has got the biggest chin of all time. He leaves oh, your chin. Mind. No way. For absolute dead. It is the size. No it's way. Like I want to meet Lego. him then. I want to meet him. And you I wouldn't fit in the room. <laughs> wow. Hey. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay, well, that's, well, that's covered the Lego. Yeah. <laughs> that's covered the Lego <laughs> Masters, mate. Thank you again, and uh, it's nice actually to be off the off the off the board now. We're right. we're, we're away. Fantastic. Thanks, Jared. Right, thanks, guys. Legend, mate. Thanks, pal. Have a good weekend. I'll speak to you soon. You Cheers. See you, mate. All right, bye. And obviously, we don't have to explain to all our listeners and people out there that um, just gamble responsibly, please. We're very lucky on this show that we have a bit of an audience and, and people are liking, thankfully, what we do. One thing that I would like to do on a personal note, I've got a, a group of friends that have set up a specific app called Swiss 8. It's based around veterans and, I guess, mental health and, and, and 
making sure that people that come back from supporting this country and serving this country are looked after. And what they've set up is they've set up the world's biggest meat raffle. Essentially, first prize is a meat tray for you and each of your eight mates every week for a year. Wow. How much meat? It's a lot of meat. <laughs> it's a lot of it's meat. It's a lot of meat, unless you've got a vegetarian, mate. Unless you've got a vegan. By seven. But, uh, mate, if you jump, everyone jump on the Swiss 8 Facebook or, or Instagram page. Uh, it's a terrific cause, Will. Anything to do with vets. I mean, anything. You guys are legends and, um, yeah, I think it's a great cause. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. So just jump on board. It's jump free on meat. Board. It's free meat. And Unless you're a vegan. And if you're a vegan, yeah, we don't care too much for you. So honestly, get on the board. Swiss 8, Adrian and all the boys there, Benny Jones, they've set up a terrific thing and, and we're a – Huge great fan calls, of it. Great calls. Great calls. It's Anzac Day coming up. Get on board. What are we going to do for Anzac Day? Isolate. It used to be one of my favourite days, man. One of my. I think. I think if you ask, like you know, nine out of ten Aussies, it's, it's their it's favourite day. day. It's, it's. I reckon it's in my top three. There is a. There is talk of people going out on their. You know, out the front and, and clapping and cheering at. at the dawn service. Yeah, the dawn so. service is going to be it's going to be surreal. I think. Yeah, obviously you can't do uh, more than what two people. So you have to do something special. I think the Australian government may always turn up, but I think it's such a, it's such a special day. It's such a special day for Australians, and I mean we we live in some crazy crazy times. So hopefully they can do something. They should never they can't be zoom the whole of a fucking Australia. I tell you that much. Can't zoom in. <laughs> Will, I wish I had some interesting stories to tell, but the reality of life is that I do not. You, on the other hand, have been coming out with some doozies, and I believe you have got another one. It is time for Kangaroo oh, Tales. Yes, Kangaroo Tales. Here we go. Um, I, was, I was actually thinking about it because obviously our listeners know that I can't really get into it too much, but it was a specific test, and it was in Australia, so we weren't on Kangaroo Tour. So a little bit different because I always know that. So from my first test, you've always got vets. They're like fucking regardless. And usually it's on a Friday night. You got to play the next day or the next day. You play on Friday. You got to play Saturday, Sunday. And I'm like, so my first test, senior players took me out. Regardless of what day you played, you fucking went out and had a drink because it's your first test. And you only get you want you only get your first test, and it's it's something that you will remember forever. Um, so fast forward, I'm a vet. I'm not going to tell you what year or any players or anything like that. You know the rules, people. But uh, it was it was a pretty special test, and so I'm a senior player. We've got about probably about three debutants. So most most of the time. Most of the time, I would take most of the debutants out anyway. So when I was – usually would. when you get over about 10 tests, I ended up playing nearly 30 tests. So I was, you know, I was, I was, I was good for most of the years. So um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a massive test anyway. So I had to play the next day at 2 o'clock. So we had day a game. big – Yeah, fucking day game. Of all, of all things, I'm like, God damn it, day game, because we'd always look at the schedule like, fuck – Oh, we played Friday. I got, I got, I got. I had the Saturday two p two p.m. game. Most people would make that had the Monday games there. You'd be sweet, and you'd have the you know the Saturday, the Sunday, whatever. I'm like, damn, it's Saturday. I'm like, oh, what do that's I do? That's getting to the ground at twelve yeah, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. normal. I'm at the ground time. at twelve. So yeah, you know, it. you're that's at the ground at twelve o'clock. So there's a couple of debutants. Oh, mate, so we going out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we we we've got to go out. So take him out, and I get I get home at, I reckon. Uh, 
10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) 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 10 o'clock in the morning. And we play at the SFS and the coach goes, how was last night? I said, yeah, not too bad. I didn't really, you know, I didn't say. He he didn't even have to like. You would have stunk. Oh, I would have stunk like shit. And he goes, get in the ice bath. So I'm ice bathing before the game. <laughs> Usually you ice bath after the game. Get home at 10 o'clock, I'm just thinking, That was oh, to my. wipe the smell. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Get up, ice bath, bang, feel, fr- feel fresh. I'm thinking, and at that stage, like these like players now, you, 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 you do the damage off the field. You, you, back then you just had to, you had to be at least top three player on the, on the team. So got out there. I reckon I played possibly one of the best games that I've played. <laughs> It was ridiculous. Uh, got home, got off about four minutes ago for half time. Ice bath again, and then back out. Finished the game off. Uh, we won the game, but like I can't believe I got through that game. I got home at ten o'clock, and everybody would we would all would always be looking at how many other players would obviously have to play the the games, like how how they'd perform. It would be, and this would go through Origin and everything. So, but I'm glad I performed. I performed. We got I got man the match, and we won. Did you get me out of the match? Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> but it was so – I remember coming home and, and, and Claire Bear's going, what, what time do you play? I'm like, 2 o'clock. And she's like, it's 10. I'm like, yeah, wake me up at 11.30. Oh. <laughs> got, up, got up, showered, went to the game, just in the mentality like, I've got to fucking play good. I was thinking, oh, I've got to catch the fucking ball first, all that sort of shit. But it's just, it was just muscle memory, all that sort of shit. But we used to do that a lot. I mean, like you say, if you played these Anzac tests, and I played in about seven or eight Anzac tests, like you had to be one of the best players the next day. It had to be because you put so much pressure on yourself. And just say, coming from a camp, whether it be Origin or in Australia, like you in, you're under so much pressure. Go down to a club game, it's fucking easy. The pressure is not even there. You just come back and join all your friends, and it's 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 easy as hell. Trust me. I mean, like even I mean, like playing NRL is hard, but when you come from like just say you know the top of the game, and then you come back down, all you got to do is just play, play for your mates, win the game. So I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm t- it's the only time I sort of played and I was half cut because most of the time I was <laughs> <laughs> most of the time I was I was always you know it was usually be it'd be Origin, and sometimes if, if it was a test on a Friday, I'd never had that dealt. I was always playing on the Sunday or Monday. If someone was a Sunday, kill as me. As soon as isolation is over and we go out on the drink, I'm getting straight in an ice bath. <laughs> oh, it's the best. You get me in the match anyway. Well, that was another fantastic episode that was led basically by my skills rather than William's skills. We hope that you will tune in on Spotify, Apple, all of your major podcast channels. We really would like you to get on there and rate us and review us because it means a lot and it helps us to keep doing what we're doing. So please have a listen, enjoy it, and rate and review. Cheers. I'll be following Willie more and more. Back in the NRL is Willie Mason. I've forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25-minute man. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you. You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network.